Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your principal host, but I've got two guys with me who uh, you'll recognise, two voices who are synonymous with... Um, New Zealand sports radio and with rugby in New Zealand. First up, it's uh, Austrian Hayding, sir. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah, doing well. Doing well. I had my ice cream, so I'm happy days. Oh, all right for you. Yeah, I had a bit of a head cold. I'm just getting over it now, but uh, three days with no beer or coffee. I, I tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's a shock to the system. I'm not sure if it's a head cold or if it's or it's detox that's making me feel <laughs> bad, I'll tell you. On the on the old Lensip here. Um and uh, also joining us is the homeless man. It's uh, Stephen Harris. Hey, thanks, <laughs> yeah, good evening, Paul. Always the privilege and the pleasure to be on the TDM now. I, I'm, I actually think of my best ideas when I'm actually sitting behind the wheel. So hence I'm sitting behind the wheel. <laughs> Hopefully I come up with something, uh, something decent this evening. Oh, dear. See, what, what we need you to do is we need to get you um, a, uh, a camper van like um, Scott Quinnell had for the Lions Tour. So you've got yourself a mobile studio. And you can drive around and jump out and just jump in the back and have a, a, a mobile studio in the back of your in the back of your van. That's what that's what we need for you. Um, although I'm not sure that the uh, the, the upcoming um, uh, emissions taxes on, on vehicles will allow us to to, to, to splash out with such a big a big a big vehicle for you. But there you go. It needs um, an EV. Pardon? What? It needs an, an EV. EV camper van. Do they have yeah. EV camper vans? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-EV, I'm pro-hydrogen. I wish have a hydrogen-based economy, not a carbon one. Um, so there we go. Um, Simon says, uh, good evening and congratulations to the Ireland men at Sevens team and the French women who have both, uh, and, the, and the Russian women who have all qualified for the Olympics. Um, and uh, that's key, folks, because with the um, uh, with, uh, um, Tonga, not uh making it to the olympics they can't um slip charles piertow in to their olympic team to get him to qualify for Tonga. so uh, he still can't uh, still can't change nations uh in that one uh, and um if you want to hear about my thoughts on um players playing for different nations i've released a um supporters special uh podcast and video today um just head over to nzsportradio.com to get access to that one also, 
Um, Simon says, yeah, um, congratulations to Benetton winning the Rainbow Cup. I mean, Stephen, you keep an eye on the old uh, European rugby. What do you think of uh, um, the powerhouse of Benetton becoming the uh, the North and South champions of, uh, uh, of, of, of rugby? I always find it good, Arsene, when he goes off mute. Yeah, when he goes off mute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, full credit to Benetton beating the Bulls. Full credit. Um, <laughs> you definitely. <laughs> Look, I, you know. I, the whole Rainbow Cup's been a bit, bit, of, a, bit, of, a, fun, a bit of a funny tournament. Um, the Bulls weren't allowed to travel with their spring box, uh, so it wasn't a full-strength Bulls side. The Bulls also had to put out another side in the Curry Cup on the same weekend. Um, as well, so they played had two games playing this weekend of the Bulls, um, so all are very all a bit strange, really. So, um, so how much? Are, like, I, I mean, going forward, this Rainbow Cup thing, um, and and the and the South African sides playing up in Europe, uh, are the people that run the competition just going to look at the dollars, or will they sort of say, hey, look, if you can't take this seriously, and you have um, players out for the for the South African team, which is understandable. But then um, the Bulls having a game in the Curry Cup as well, and then you send up half a team up to play in the Rainbow Cup. Are they going to look at that and go, no, nah, no, nah, thanks, but no thanks? Or are they going to say, oh, no, nah, the money's coming and we don't care. You do what you oh, want. Oh, well, we've got some of the, um, oh, what's it called now? The URC is kicking off next season. Um and I'm going to try and remember what the URC stands for. Is it Unified Rain, Unified Rugby Championship or something like that? Um, anyway, it's another name for it's another name that says, has Rugby Championship in it, right. uh, and that is the new name for the um, Pro 14 come South African uh, tournament. So um, basically, the Pro 16 is going to be called this. Yeah, the, the URC um, next season. Um, so. Um, uh, United Rugby Championship. Thank you very much, Simon. I was say, as Simon says. As si yes. Um, <laughs> it's not unified, it's united. There we go. I mean, oh, just the naming uh, of these of these of these tournaments is just appalling. Um well uh, to be honest, United Rugby Championship sounds a lot better than Rainbow Cup. Oh yes. Well, when I when I and then this is like when I see Rainbow Cup, all I can think of is that cake that you buy at the supermarket that's got the three coloured layers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dearie me um see when i see rainbow i think rainbow flags and pride um so yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I automatically think of it as being the um the pride cup kind of thing but it's not obviously um mm. but it's about being rainbow nation and all that kind of stuff with uh, so it, it was it was always a one-off name just to fill in a, a window right. um and yes the rainbow cup was purely a coffers thing um that they had to put together a North uh, a competition with South African teams to get the TV money, and that's where the Rainbow Cup came about. But um, yeah, the United Rugby Championship going forwards should be a um, uh, the, the a, a more sensible competition. He says. Um, well, we'll see about that. And uh, good evening to Boa, who's uh, no, he's gone now. No, he's, no, he's gone North again. There. No, 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 he he came and gone. He came and gone. Came and gone. Okay, well we'll, well, we'll we'll save the talk about um, tackling below the armpits until he arrives. Just in case it happens, uh, just in case he gets here, because I think we did we didn't talk about that last week. Um, other things that um, have been going on then, um, and uh, obviously the big news um, is the uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Simon. Yeah, the um, the the Mark Bingham um, Cup um, is the uh, is the gay rugby one. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, the um, but I'm just saying that yeah, when you when you when you hear rainbow, that's that, that's that's why I automatically think about. Um, the we'll get onto the um, the squads in a second. But um, have you seen the news that uh, Australia um, don't uh, the, the Australian Australia rugby and New Zealand rugby uh, are, are, are arguing again around the um, format of Super Rugby? Well, I haven't. I saw the headline. I haven't read the article yet, so I, I won't comment because I don't know what the ins and outs of the argument are. Uh, pro probably um, lack of action by on our behalf. I'm guessing. Well, it's a couple of things there. One is that. Um, New Zealand rugby basically wants to run things uh, and uh, and have and have its and have a say uh, ha and have it have total say as to what happens basically, uh, and also um, rugby Australia has noticed that uh, they got much better viewer viewer figures when they weren't playing New Zealand teams than when they were, mm. Mm. and hence yep, a uh, yep. domestic competition. And just invite Boa in. Good evening, Boa. How are you doing? Very good evening to everyone. Um, fine, thank you. Lovely to see a full house today. Uh, four squares. It looks very nice. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're not in your garage. You've got some. It looks like you're in a proper, a yeah, proper no, sound he's, studio. He's going to be doing some doof doof by the looks of it. <laughs> well, I, I, am still, I, I am still in my garage. I've uh, this. You can see some very vintage audio. I'm, I'm a, I'm a collector. I'm a connoisseur of vintage audio. So I finally decided to take it out of storage, and I'm actually enjoying it now. So that's I've, I've decided to use it as my backdrop. Kind of makes it look like I'm in some kind of uh, funky studio. <laughs> Actually, uh, you sound like you're coming through in, in hi-fi this evening for some for some reason, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Bluetooth headset, new headset. Uh, actually, what's right behind me was built in 1969 in Wahi. So it's uh, it's part of uh, New Zealand audio history. What I have right right at the back, just for the viewers' benefit. Just hey, Wahi. That's there. where I live. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's why I said Paul. Yeah, it used to have a, uh, it used to have a school of uh, vintage audio because back then, due to the trade agreements between Japan and New Zealand, you couldn't actually import most of these uh, Japanese hi-fi. So you had to bring the parts in, and it was assembled here. So what you see in the background, a uh, set of IVA speakers, and this is called a Majestic MT3000 tower system. You know the old three-in-one. Yep, Majestic. So, uh, yep. Yeah, my pride and joy. My pride and joy. <laughs> well there we go so why he now has got a big hole in the ground as a gold mine um uh, so it used to be uh, used to be the um the music capital of new zealand well there we go um i didn't know that uh moving on then um back to back to rugby <laughs> back to rugby yep um, uh the uh yeah part, part of the discussion is the sustainability of these um of the two teams in fact they need 10 million a year where's that money going to come from um uh also so if uh, in a um with a five-year agreement, that's $100 million uh, that needs to be found from somewhere to fund these two teams. Uh, so first off, the so there's, there's that question. Um, the, the the monetary split, I think uh, the way that New Zealand, the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the, uh, the, the, the intimation, but it's not actually stated in the article, is that because New Zealand's uh, TV rights went up, but Australia's went down, I think um, using rugby is trying to suggest that that uh, you both just keep your own TV money rather than it going into a pot and being shared fifty fifty. Um, so uh, I, I think it's um, yeah, it's all going to be a bit interesting to see how this one plays out. Uh, Australia might uh, sort of apparently considering a conference format, 
um, where they all play, have a round robin internally with the Fiji Drua and um, New Zealand have a round robin with Moana Pacifica. And then you have a finals at the end, which I'm not anti, to be honest with you. Um, but um, yeah, uh, your thoughts, anyone else's thoughts on the structure? Do you, does it have to be round robin? Do we have to play everyone home and away? I mean, it doesn't happen in NRL. Do you need it for, do you need it for rugby? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why? <Don't... laughs> I was thinking, look, uh, gentlemen, with with TV rights, uh, sorry, with with uh, TV ratings. Obviously, the evidence suggested a standalone competition, i.e., what's happened in Australia over the last year, uh, is probably the way to go. So, having uh, a best of maybe eight or a, a final four knockout will probably be the way forward. Because the the way I see it is. Uh, and most of you would agree, is a standalone competition, particularly when we had Super Rugby out here. The games were far more interesting. They were more closer, they were more even, and same thing with Super Rugby Australia. Uh, you know, and, and they actually, well, someone won it. Someone won a title. In this case, it was the Reds. So there was more fan engagement from that point of view. And um, we're not going to see uh, a, once, a lopsided competition, as was the case, with Super Rugby trans So I think going standalone and having a, a effective, exciting knockout right at the end is probably something what the fans will really buy. What into. about what about what about having round robin and you're keeping separate tables as well? Well, they they tried that. They tried that a, a, a number of seasons with with the conferences and it failed because the TV ratings just plummeted, and uh, you know the, the competition wasn't there. And also throwing the the travel time, everyone started whinging and moaning about it, and it just disappeared and dissolved. So I don't think trying the same thing again is going to give you a different result. I, you, you obviously don't have the travel time because you, you're not playing South Africa in the middle of the night, so you can actually see all the games, which is a good thing. But but, but you know the other thing is that I mean like I, I look I'm not I don't I'm not convinced with. Uh, in the fact, I mean, I might, I sort of agree with what you're saying, Boa. But the other thing is that, like, if if we don't, if you look at it, so the Reds picked up a win. I was at the Brumbies picked up a win, or was it Reds? But yeah, so um, you know, if they don't play us, if they don't play the New Zealand teams, there's there's no there's where's the improvement going to come from? If they live live in you know a bubble where they believe that they're good and they believe that they're progressing, but the reality is is that they're not. You know, and we've sort of seen that. And the fact is that if we didn't have the Trans-Tasman competition, we would have thought, oh, everything's hunky-dory in Australia land because look at how good their competition is. And between them, yeah, it was, but they really didn't go anywhere in terms of progression. Well, you know, we, they didn't, they didn't. But, um, and then you look at the Reds. They were, I mean, like, yeah, they, um, uh, you know, they, they picked up a win. Um, you know, I, I think there's some issues around the last 20 for the Australian teams and keeping pace. Maybe it's a fitness thing or something. I don't know. But there were times when they were still competitive, um, even though they didn't win. The force, for example, you know, running the Crusaders close in um, in Christchurch and then coming up the week later when most teams, you know, usually either run the Crusaders close, Brumbies ran the Crusaders close, got smashed the next week by the Blues. There was force, ran the Crusaders close, came up to Eden Park, looked like it was over at half time, and then all of a sudden got back in the match. So if we don't give them game time, are they going to improve? Look, I'm, I'm not disputing that at all. I, in fact, I agree 100%. What I am saying is, as far as TV ratings, mm. numbers, and economics, that will dictate mm. that having separate conferences 
and competitions is the way forward. So uh, absolutely, Ashwin, I, I completely agree because others, it's kind of like, you know, uh, racehorses running um, out in the country and soon as they, you know, they keep winning, running in the same race course and you come to the Metro meetings and then you can yeah, absolutely... Just take them to the Metro you know, and they come last. <laughs> yeah, they come last. So yeah, absolutely agree with you. But I think with economics and given that financially, all the unions are trying to scrape the board, you know, scrape every single dollar they can and get absolute fan engagement, get their merchandise, get value for sponsors. Uh, and this is something which is being spoken about a lot, you know, eyeballs um, in front of the computers you know, as well as uh, I, I still devices think, I, for the sponsors. I still think, and we've talked, I mean, like off air, not, not within the, the show, I don't believe we've spoken about it, but Steve, we're talking about it. marketing of rugby is shocking, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, just... I agree. I agree. I'm putting my putting my finger putting my finger up there. It's just a it's just a shame that the two unions actually can't see the bigger picture. Yeah. Try and improve let try and improve the competition to make it actually what watch worthy and, and creditable. And there's if you work together, there's a there's a couple of things that you can do. Uh, listen, open it up a little bit so maybe some of the Australian teams can select the marquee team from New Zealand. But, you know, the New Zealand Rugby Union, they, you know, when you go down that path, they, they clam up. They don't want to know it. But if you want to put a quality product together for broadcasters to throw more money at it, you know, there'll be more more enough of the pie to, to share around in terms yeah. of income. Good point there, Steve. I mean, like, if you look at, if the force are able to hang on to their squad a bit, um, you know, I don't know what the logistics or reality of that is, but that they would have to be one of the biggest, big improvers out of Australian rugby, right? And if they're together, that same squad's together for next year and they can have the likes of the Kahui and the Thrush, um, and that's showing what, what they can bring to the force, you know, they're going to just, they're going to be even stronger next year, I think, you know, with that season together. And mm. and as you're saying, if it's like the NZRFU um, were open to sort of, you know, maybe they could put some parameters around who can go and play, but not 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 just Muppets, but you know, some decent players. But maybe they, okay, if you're if you're in the squad pick, you, you, sorry, you have to play locally. But beyond that, you can actually, you know, pick some outside of the wide, you know, the wider group, so to, all black group, so to speak, or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, if, if, I, I don't think if if you have a if, if you say, right, we have to have a standard contract across all Super Rugby teams that says that players must be released for all All Blacks or Wallabies training um, camps, and you say, right, we have the same access to the players if they're playing in New Zealand or Australia, who cares who they're playing for? Then it doesn't matter. That's why I'm concerned. They can go. I don't, I don't, that, that, that is a, um, that, that's, that, that, that's uh, something that, that can be worked, worked out contractually. Uh, and yeah, there's no reason. I mean, if, look, Flying to Sydney from Auckland is probably easier, or pre-COVID anyway, than flying to Invercargill or, or down to Dunedin. So right. it doesn't make any difference if they're playing in Sydney, let's be honest. Um, the So from that point of view, I think mixing, and also allowing Australian players to come play over here um, as well. Um, that way um, you, make, uh, you, make, you make it that, yeah, you, 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 you allow them to grow that way. Um, on the marketing side of things, Simon says that... Um, we copy the NRL marketing too much, he thinks. 
But hey, that's because they do it well, uh, or, or the results are good from their marketing. Yeah, but you know, I I, um, I I agree with Simon on that one. If we do copy the NRLs, and the NRL is copying um, the NFL, that's blatantly obvious. If you watch a bit of NFL, you, you know, or if you know what the marketing styles are, it is so obvious the NRL is basically just taking the movie. So why aren't we taking that shortcut and going? If we're going to do that, go and watch the NFL and how they market and. Copy that rather than copy NRL. I, I have I have heard like I, I asked the question a few years ago why they wouldn't basically opening it open it up. <clears throat> now I've heard through the, through somebody through the rugby union that what they're trying to do is they're trying to protect protect the game over here. So you you guys who don't make Super Rugby like your Lincoln McClutchies and and guys like that who are probably good enough to play Super Rugby will basically stay playing in your local club competitions over here. But I'm thinking to myself, since when did the New Zealand Rugby Union worry about the, the level of, club. of the club game, for crying out loud? Yeah. What, all of a sudden, they, they grow up here and start start worrying about the game at, at club level? Um, gee whiz. Look, uh, one, one thing I have to say is, look, we, we're going to have to start getting a bit creative uh, if we are going to grow this part of the game. And something which I'm quite... Uh, keen on is um, having a mid-season transfer where we actually allow players to transfer to other clubs, you know, pretty much like what they do in the um, EPL in, with soccer. So again, we've got to try something different. Uh, you know, we've got to be innovative and that's actually going to get a lot of interest in precisely what Steve was saying. Some of those, you know, second tier players who are actually you know, struggling to get a break in some of the top uh, uh, oh. with our franchise rugby. You know, they're, they're just walking to some of these sites. So I think, again, we've just got to manage that side and we can't be using the same high-performance models. The, the problem with NZR, and I hope NZR aren't listening to me now, is they keep using the same high-performance models for the last 10 years. It hasn't evolved. Uh, because this is something I, I grapple with on a, on a seasonal basis where contracted players who are based overseas who want to come and play some club rugby here and integrate themselves back into the provincial and then hopefully the franchise system, there isn't much allowance for that because they scoff at that. If anyone goes overseas, that's it. We don't want to know you. So that needs to change. And how are we going to manage it? So that's that's going to be a challenge. And with bigger pay packets being offered, um, you know, we will see more and more talent who just miss out. Nani Laumapi being a classic example. I'd love to know how many players are playing in in the MRL right now. How many New Zealand players? I bet you there's a fair few. There, there are playing, playing, playing over there. I'm not I'm not talking about your high end profile players, but you're you're talking about guys who are probably, you know, didn't quite crack mitre, or in some cases, some guys who have been in mitre, or you've got guys who are who are who, are, who have been ex all ex all blacks and coming towards the the end of their career and just basically uh, picking up a little bit of extra cash along the way. I, I, I reckon you'd you'd probably get fifty or sixty if you if you did a count of some sort. <clears throat> well, well, no, we're just coming back just coming back to what Bowe was saying though. I mean, in terms of those um, the players that want to come back and play club rugby over here, you know, professionals from overseas. Like, what's our biggest problem at club le- club level? We talked about it just um, a couple of days ago, Steve. There's a fact is that the under twenty one squads masquerading as prem teams, right? Mm. And it's just like, what is that? What do they need? They need experienced players to come back and play at club level to help those young fellas learn what the game's about to take that mm. next step. 
and you don't have it. The, yeah, uh, what, so what, yeah, so what, we, 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 I think we all agree that yeah, that New Zealand rugby uh, is, and this is one of the things that um, nocturnal rights and um, Simon saying yeah, look, maybe New Zealand rugby is scared of views of losing control of players to the Aussie market. Maybe the players will see what, more than one path. Yeah, true. Um, and uh, we need to move away from being a one-team country, all blacks, and that's absolutely. the big absolutely, absolutely, um, sees everything as being subservient to the all blacks. Uh, and doesn't allow it to stand on its own or have it have any of its own value. I'll, I'll, I'll show how that comment by Simon is so pertinent. Boa, how many junior teams at your Manukau Rovers? A two this season. It's a two junior teams? Yeah. Like, like schoolboy level? Yeah. So, yep. uh, so how, many, how many league teams? How many league teams in that where Boa's club is? There's over 40 junior teams in the league club. And wow. it's just like, all because the NZRFU focused on All Blacks rugby only, forgot about everything else, and that is the end result of what's happening in Auckland. So this season, Monica Rose, we don't ha- we're not feeling a 21s. No under 21s. First time. It's uh, very alarming. It's a big red flag for me, given that we have nine key first 15 schools in our catchment area. Uh, and this is something, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem. It is a huge problem. So um, I, I hear, I hear Ashwin. Mm. Um, so we go, folks, I think the, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, we've, we've dived into a number of things here, but that, that the, the big one at the end of the day is New Zealand rugby. We've looked at, and one of the other things we've looked at is the, the people who sit on the board um, it's all based around the All Blacks, uh, and everything else gets given um, pretty much comes a distant, um, a distant second, and is, is not yeah doesn't get uh, doesn't get a, doesn't get a look in. Um, one that I think that uh, we should just quickly touch on um, here. Oh, this is legacy of the Boston report back in the nineties. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying that the All Blacks need to be ignored. Absolutely not. No, you still oh, need no. to. It's still um, your shop you, window. Still your shop window. Uh, it's still where most of your money is going to come in, but you also need to give other other levels um, some uh, ability to st- try and stand on their own two feet. Um, so, um, Boa, with your um, safe tackle framework hat on um, at this point, which obviously doesn't fit because you've got your headphones on, um, but um, the over in the over in uh, the um, the UK, the RFU has decided that uh, all age grades will now have tackling from the armpits downwards. This is something that was in place up until under 14s um, until recently. And then from next season, they're raising it up to under 18s. Um, I guess uh, just your thoughts on that one, to my mind, uh, a good move. But um, your thoughts on the, uh, uh, with your safe tackle framework hat on. Yeah, look, fan- fantastic move. But the one key ingredient missing in all this is the visual guideline. We need to have visual guidelines. All the research I have done all the input, all the feedback from parents, coaches, players is that they need visual guidelines. It's like driving on the motorway. It's like having your lane markers and cat size. Now, even with all this, we have about 500 fatalities every year, uh, out, you know, about 60% on the motorway. So imagine, imagine if we didn't have lane markings and everyone had to drive on the motorway, what sort of carnage and chaos? It's the same principle. You know, we have to simplify this. We have to make it so obvious. And and the reality is every single union, uh, particularly with the on-field refereeing at elite level, 
is having six different interpretations depending on what day of the week, who's playing, is it a final, is it a semi-final? There's there's no uniformity. But when you talk to World Rugby, they are you know they're absolutely convinced that they've got this right. They've got this right. But the reality is the disjoint between all the stakeholders is is so much far apart. It is chaotic. So what really needs to happen is, uh, well, I'm not going to say it, but you know, just just for God's sake, adapt a universal system right across the board. Focus on coach education, and if it's if it's if it's if it's under the arm, it's great. Get the safe tackle line, get the STL on it, revise the coaching guidelines, and make sure there are coaching educators and coach developers who actually correct the coaches if they go outside that framework. What's actually happening is, you know, if you go into any of these elite uh, uh, coaching or you know defense coach classes, they they practice targeting this sternum line and above. The reality is World Rugby won't uh, uh, senior level to tackle below the shoulders, but if you look at pretty much every tackle, for example, in the uh, the, the Super Rugby, final. Uh, the final, 95% of all contact was shoulder and above. And and of course, we saw that, uh, uh, that yellow card. I mean, I, I wish I was watching it on black and white, Kodak Eastman. Uh, then I, you know, I would have not known the difference between the red and the yellow. It is ridiculous. So great initiative from the RFU. Uh, I'm really pleased to see them do it. But again, we can't be doing this by the halves. We have to do this properly. And, can, can I, can uh, I, can I point out something? There's a problem in Auckland. Again, sorry sorry for the rest of the people around, but there's a problem in Auckland rugby. Because I, I'm involved in junior level rugby, right? And this is a, our schoolboys aren't watching rugby. Our schoolboys are watching another oval ball sport. And so they come into training and they're watching that and they're imitating that. And so what Val was saying about was about visualization or visuals to, to, to show them what to do. But the problem is, is the predominant sport that they're watching is about tackling high and, and even shoulders, you know, not, not what we're saying rugby's about with arms and shoulders wrapping and all that. So they're coming in and it's like, doesn't matter how much you talk to them and talk to them, nipples, hips, between there is what you're targeting. They're going high, and inevitably they slip up around the head. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, my, my son's team, the, towards the end of the game in particular, when, when they're getting lazy and tired, this is that every they got three advantages in a row for head, actual head-eye tackles. And it's like, well, I just I laid into the kids afterwards because it's like, what are you doing? You know you're not allowed to tackle up there. But that's what they see because that's what they watch. I guess yeah, simple, my only but... comment around the um, around, around the outfit one is it's it's more visual than, than nipples, which are hidden beneath the jersey. Um, so, <laughs> so to me, no, no, I mean, yeah, no, comment, comment, comment. But the yeah, with with yeah, with outfits, at least well, you see what they are. Paul, I get that, but again, yeah. if you look at the rule book, now if everyone followed the rules, we won't be having this issue. But the issue is bigger oh. than ever, and the rules and regulation around this is bigger than ever. So we can't be continuing to do the same thing to expect a different result. So what all these unions are doing, because there is a technical committee with World Rugby who have vested interests. Let me say it again. There is a technical committee with WR who have vested interests because they have to make a living or a high performance. They're very hesitant to put any sort of guidelines. So it's all very well to expect our kids 
to be safe. But soon as we come into some level of competitiveness, it's okay, son. You can get you can get a, a head knock or a concussion. So long as you get the W, we'll we'll, we'll stage manage the whole thing. This is where the problem is. Which which is where my point's going to come in, in and around the actual punishments. If we're not getting that right, in the interim, can we please just go to a yellow card, put it on report? Like for example, in all honesty, probably somebody like Ish Dixon probably should be stood down for probably three games for his for his headshot on on the weekend, and that way he is actually punished. That's, he is that's a good point for that infraction. That's a good point, because if you look at a couple of times during the season, obviously one that springs to mind is the Eklund WWF throw, is the fact that it was the on-field yellow. They deemed it to be um, sufficient for a red, and therefore afterwards they looked at it, and he got the three games, I think it was, off the top of my head. That Ash Dixon one, I, I haven't met somebody who, I mean, apart from, you know, your, your, your blue and gold supporters, that has thought that that shouldn't have been a red card. Mm. Look, go back and look at the Alex Hodgman one, which we all agreed was a red card, right? There mm. is not a hell of a lot of difference, and I can't see a difference. Ash Dixon actually does launch upwards, just like Alex Hodgman did, um, and, and makes contact with the head. How can they not then, after the game, go, oh, yeah, it's an off-field red, and then okay. oh, so he's going to get two or three weeks? We we we, we, can, we can descend into in, into this one and, and uh, oh no but what, what we're not okay Paul Paul, Paul what we're doing there we're not we're not we're not really discussing the whether it should be the red or yellow on field what we're talking about is the inconsistency Precious. of what is going okay. on yeah, but that's and what are you expecting can... but how are we expecting the the, the the things to change if that inconsistency continues. We've discussed inconsistent refereeing before, so I don't, I don't want to descend into but doing it's that. Inconsistent. No, 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 no. We're not talking about inconsistent refereeing. We're talking about the after-game process, which is yep. also inconsistent. So mm -hmm. that's not the referee on the field that's making split decision, decisions, second decisions. This is afterwards, and the officials and the people that run the game that are sending mixed signals out there. So in, in, in STF, safe tackle framework for the professional game, the answer for this was the orange card. Don't give a red. Do not give a red unless it's blatantly obvious that it's foul play. It's 10 minutes in the bin, and there's a mandatory judicial hearing. It happens within 48 hours. And if there's a further case to answer, there's further sanctions. If you're free to go, you're free to go. But for some reason, for some reason, as I said, very hesitant. However, I have to say, this is now being trialed in Wales. So watch this space. I'm I'm talking to a few other unions as well. Japanese rugby union are very interested. They think this is the next best thing since sliced bread. So let's wait and see, gentlemen. Interesting times ahead. So it's got a lot of internals idea. Other ones. Um, the uh, it will have to. Uh, the when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So just to, quick, to bring it back very quickly to the, um, the RFU one, the reason they've said that they're going down for the armpit one is to stop heads being in the same space and having head clashes. That's where they so they've they've seen the, the, the problem. Um, more rather than necessarily people taking people's heads off. It's more about two two heads going bang to each other, which is why they're trying to bring it down from here to here to get the heads out of the same space. Um, the doctor uh, writes, yep, um, suggestion there that uh, coaches get penalised for too many team cards, maybe. Um, well, uh, all I can see there is that it's, it's difficult to provide a coaching penalty um, yeah, because... So what you do, like, um, we'll take it from another sport, right? This is like cricket, slow overrate. Um, the captain can get a suspension if the overrate is over and over again. There's continual infringement. So it's just like, okay, um, the teams receive three yellow cards. Coach can't coach for um, a week and is not allowed to be at team trainings. So oh, based at, on, that, and at based the on that, Scott Robertson might not have a job. Yeah. <laughs> well, working part time, right? Crusader, cru- Crusaders don't get bloody cards, do they? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, the main topic of the show, then, guys, um, is I'd like to get on to the uh, the All Black Squad and the Mario All Black Squad, if that's okay. Um, you're. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, oh, look, I mean, I, I think, I mean, there's been a few comments online as well. It's mm-hmm. like, geez, I mean, how underwhelming is that squad? I'm sorry. It's, it really doesn't, it really doesn't excite the juices at all. Okay. So let's, let's bring, bring the, um, the, the, uh, the squad up then. Squad up. Um, how would you change the squad to be excited, Arthur? Oh, look, I mean, like, I tell you what, one of, one of the, um, I, I'm, one of the players, that you're sort of, even though he was in a in the in the in the Crusader squad, that you like to sort of look forward to seeing play was Lester Fainukunuku. I mean, you know, you you wanted him to get the ball and and to see what he was going to do, and that's excitement. That's like bringing you to the game. You want to watch it. You want to see it. I mean, he, and he made things happen. Uh, so you know, to not see a name like that and Quintapaya. I know Quintapaya is a good player and everything. But but to me, it's like we need X Factor players, and because um, that's honestly after last year when we lost to Australia, we lost to Argentina. Geez, where is this team going? I mean, you know, we we look at our back row, and I suppose we'll pick the best that we've got. But there's no Jerome Kino, there's no Jerry Collins type enforcer type person there at all that gets you. Done. I can't wait to see him hit a player. Talking of um, safe tackle framework. <laughs> <laughs> But that that sort of thing, you know, there's, it just seems to be nothing there. I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me somebody that you know that that would bring that X factor to the game. Yeah, we look very very underwhelming. I'm, there's one particular player I'm 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 actually quite flabbergasted as to ways is um, Angus in the front row. Um, yeah, look, um, I'm I'm yeah I'm, I don't know why, but it's been picked. Uh, I think Alex Hodgman can consider himself very, very unlucky. <laughs> Potentially that red card and that little layoff. But, uh, you know, Alex, you know, wonderful ball carrier, you know, lots of expect as, as Ashwin was talking about. Um, but you know, look, looking at, I guess, 
how the whole coaching group have picked their players. Yeah, they're, they're profiling on making sure that they get the, the, the conventional side of rugby. They tick the boxes. They, they, they don't necessarily like those expector players. They don't necessarily like those people who are going to do something a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, very, very underwhelming for me. And, and of course, uh, Finlay Christie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh, no, uh, just, just, mm. uh, just, just something you know. It's just like, yeah, people have made the comment. I say, obviously, Nocturnals men- mentioned Nariki. I mean, it is another player that is a as an X Factor player. But you know, with Leicester, it's, they're talking about his defence. But it's just like, surely, if you're the All Blacks coach, you back yourself to fix his def- um, defensive frailties um, because you're the best coach in this country. If you're the All Blacks coach, aren't you? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, but only if you're white. Remember, we don't we don't like any non-white coaches in the All Blacks. <clears throat> oh, oh dear, that's another that's another point for I, another day. I was gonna. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, I listen. I agree with with with, with Nuku and Jonah Nariki. I actually have agreed. We should have really looked at those selections because, with, and I mean this with the greatest respect to Tonga and 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 Fiji, but. Realistically, I think that was the the ideal opportunity, opportunity. To, 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 mm. to try these guys just to see how good they are. My my issue with Finlay Finlay Christie is, you know, I think we all know that TJ Perinaro is probably going to come back into the fold, and, and and somewhere in the in the future we can see a Fakatava. My my issue for somebody like Finlay Christie is he going to be another guy who's going to be a a two or three test all back and get put on the scrap heap sort of thing. Where in the interim, you you probably could have gone back to a to a Mitchell Mitchell Drummond just for this particular series. I yeah I I, I don't I don't know. I from what I've seen of of um, Finlay Christie, he's been fortunate enough to play behind a very good Tasman pack <clears throat> and also a uh, a very good uh, Auckland uh, Blues pack. Uh, beg your pardon during uh, TT. Um, it's hard. So I think he's been sort of quite fortunate in that respect. But I'd be, I be—I just see things in his game that I, I, I don't know. Listen, at the end of the day, <laughs> I, I sound like a, a moaning old man, but, you know, credit to him for for, for getting to the, the, the very top of, of, of rugby in New Zealand. But, yeah, there's just a, a couple of selections great with me. Angus Tarval is another one. Aidan Ross could probably consider himself Really, really unlucky not to have have made this team. Like, looking good to see somebody like Ethan De Groot in the team. But I, I would suggest maybe some of these selections. Um, you wonder if they would have been there if there weren't as many injuries to a lot of a lot of key guys as well, guys. Hey, yeah, I'm going, just so, just a, I'll ask a question. Just, just on Philly Christie's one, because um, everyone else had a chat about him so far. I just want to throw in there that maybe the All Blacks just trying to cap him so Scotland don't get him, um, and then he never gets capped again. Well, that's <laughs> what's going to happen. Well, that's what's going to happen. As you said, with TJ, well, first, I mean, let's first. face it. If, if Fakatava wasn't injured, he's a lay-down Nazir to get in the All Black squad, right? And yeah. we, we talked about during the season, he'd got, in our in our opinion, and it was sort of pretty much unanimous, I think, on the show, that Fakatava had put himself ahead of TJ Perinara as the second best halfback in the country. Well, having, having not seen and having not having not seen TJ play this year because he's obviously in Japan. Um, oh, yeah, I, I look, been playing very, very nah, well. on his previous form, you, you sort of look at Fakatava and the way he was playing, he was dynamic. I mean, I'm not oh, saying I'm... TJ isn't, but like he'd, he'd moved a step ahead. 
Um, I'm sorry, yeah, no, I, I am surprised TJ's not here for, for, ahead of Christie, especially as he, he played club rugby at the weekend, so he's played in New Zealand, so should be eligible. Yes. Now, one of the things I think is, well, one of the things that could be happening here is that, well, A, do they just want to cap Christie so that, that Scotland can't get him? Um, and um, secondly, uh, um, is TJ paying for the fact that he uh, was going to go to league and that um, basically uh, New Zealand rugby set as a betrayal and therefore say, right, mate, we don't like you anymore. You're not. Uh, you're not in the side. Um, I would be. I would no, be surprised. Because no, you'll be back. <laughs> Let's face it. If we were picking a World Cup squad um, for like to play next year or say this year, you'd be looking at. So your halfbacks would be Aaron Smith, TJ Penaranara, and then it'd be a toss-up of whether um, you'd take an inexperienced Fakatava. Um, or whether you'd take a Brad Weber. Yep. That would be the toss-up. They're, they're simple as that. So I don't think um, the league thing comes into it at all, to be honest. Artie Sevier's made noises about going to league as well. Yes, but TJ got as far as actually having agreed a contract if he could get himself insurance. He, he took it a bit further. I, yep. I, um, and there's definitely egos um, and uh, that, that kind of thing within rugby. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element there of... Um, Oh, yes, me coming out my conspiracy theories. Um, I, I, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's an element of TJ. You, you've um, uh, that, that that that's part of of the uh, the selection criteria. Yeah, hey, um, I just cool. wanted to. You know, we were talking about Alex Hodgman because we're talking about Alex Hodgman. I want to throw this on. I don't see the big raving about George Bauer. I mean, like I look at it, and when the Crusaders squad um, team when they had um, Moody and um, on the field and. Um, Oh, the all started El Altoa, all great. When they went to their bench and Bauer coming on, that scrum was not stable. Yeah, I fully agree. And um, I think, look, with, with the first two games against Tonga and Fiji, with the greatest respect for them, I think we could have easily picked uh, a, a younger side where we could have fitted in all these X-Factor guys, given them a run, tried things out and this is where you know maybe guys like Tom T. Williams and absolutely Jonah Nareki uh, you know I think Nareki had the most number of line breaks in, in no. both Super Rugby competitions and most uh, most number of meters post contact and boy that guy he, you know he's got wheels he's got X Factor he's got kids talking about him he's got you know he, he can step and that's the sort of uh, player you really need uh, to, I, I, to be Trying out. And, and same thing with guys like Lester Fanganuku. You know, you, you look at some of the stats. Excitement machine, X-Factor. But for some reason, looking at the players have been picked, that profile just goes, it's a yin and yang. So it, it's just not compatible. And that tells me the coaching group has gone with the same old, same old. And we're going to probably see what we're going to see um, last year. One thing I do have to say, just uh, uh, Catching up with what Nocturnal said uh, to do with Tyrell Lomax and his his technique, particularly his tackle technique. Last year we saw uh, that high shot on the Argentinian uh, back row. Again, it should have been a red card. What, one of my worries, based on what I'm seeing with the uh, Trans Tasman Super Rugby, is that once this squad, unless we actually make a deliberate change in our tackle technique, when we go to the Northern Hemisphere, I think we're going to see a lot of red cards. So that's something. Oh, the squad oh, and the coaching group need to be. Should have been what? Should have been watching the show on Sunday night, mate. 
<laughs> that's, that's that's exactly the that's exactly what we said on Sunday night. So yes, um, the yep. yeah, we, uh, we've we've, we've covered that one again. Totally agree with you on that one. Um, just some things about uh, so, so about this about this one. Uh, I think one of the reasons that they've not gone down the route of of, of having kind of a uh, an experimental squad is that this squad is actually pretty is still pretty inexperienced. You've got players like uh, George Bridge, ten caps, Will Jordan, two, Severus, eight in that back three already. Um, in the centres, Braden Enor's got one cap, David Habili three, Quintapai nil. Now, I, I agree Quintapai could be replaced by Lester Fainuku. I'd, I'd be happy with that change. In the um, halfbacks, Brad Webber with seven, even though he's supposed to be heading overseas. Finley Christie with none. In that back row, Ardi Surveyor's got 49, Shannon Frizzell 13. None of the other back rowers have got double figures. Blackadder, Norts, um, Iwani and Jacobson both got two. Papilihi, four, so two, two, five. Um, uh, in, in the but this is, so thing this is a very inexperienced side. I think they, they want to get caps under their belts. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Who are they playing? I hear you, but I'm saying that they they want to, they that one of those one of those. If you're a stats person, Boa, um, you'll know that there's an average number of caps you're supposed to have by the time you get to every World Cup. Okay, um, South Africa threw that out the window last last one, but in all previous rugby World Cups, you're trying to get so many caps, an average cap number, and I think that's part of what. Um, what they're doing here is they're saying that they can't afford, having lost the games due to COVID last year, they can't afford to not be selecting their, their, their full-strength squad every every game. Yeah, definitely. There is, a, there is an element to that. And, and look, the reality is, guys, you know, sometimes you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can't fit all these players in. Uh, but looking at the schedule and who we are playing, and given that we're playing at home, I think there, there's, there's always that element where we can... Uh, take a bit of a gamble. And I mean, you know, guys like John and Nareki, after doing everything they've done, guys like Lester, what do you, I mean, from a coaching, I mean, if, you know, if I was in that situation, I'm going to have a conversation with them. And if they said, you know, what do, what do I need to do to get picked? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a savage blow to, to their confidence. So anyway, that's, that's, it is what it is. Um, I, I guess we're, we're never ever going to agree on all of this, but, um, the, the general consensus is that we need more X Factor. Unfortunately, we haven't gone with that now, have we? No, well, especially, I, mean, look, I would love I would love to see Nariki in the squad. I'm just I'm explaining why I think they've gone the way that they've gone. Yeah. Um, and you've got to say if you if when you look at that back three of Barrett, uh, McKenzie, Jordan, Reese, and Bridge, who are you going to drop for Nariki? Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, it would be Reese, but um, uh, you could. Maybe, but he's but he's he, he has a say, way of finding that line. It's it's hard to say who you would drop there. I'd say this would be a harsh, hard, harsh call, but I would have gone Bridge because with his injuries, he just hasn't been there. Yep, yeah, and it's true. just like, well, hang on, we we well, I think we moved past the days when, you know, oh, you've got a black jersey, so you automatic automatic selection. And, and let's face it, George Bridge is his work rate and everything is what he brings to the table. And that's what makes him so good is his work rate. But he just hasn't played this year. Yep. And I, th I think George Bridge is one of those sort of um, Ben Smith kind of players who that they, they kind of go, oh, he's such a good footballer, we've got to put him in. Um, I think that's where I think he's probably in that sort of category. Um, obviously, I think a lot of us, a lot of us yeah, would have seen, I think Quince Pyre having a, uh, a, a season in the Maori All Blacks would have been very good for him. And less and having Leicester fine Nuki there was be, would have been fine. Um, the um, but um, 
they, we've also got the, the Mary All Black squad here as well. Uh, any sort of thoughts or comments on um, on that squad, folks? Pretty predictable, I, I reckon. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's almost like a forgotten squad because the focus <laughs> has always almost always been on the All Blacks. Um, oh, yeah, yeah cup, you know, cup, cup, for me, a couple of standard players there. Uh, Tom T. Williams, particularly, I think, is a tremendous season. He's done particularly uh, the scrummaging part really well. He's an exciting ball carrier. So I'd be keeping a real close eye on him and what sort of meters he's going to be doing and uh, some of the, you know, play, playing out wide, carrying, seeing how he fits into their attack shapes. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, Bryn Hall, another, another player, lots of excitement as well. And, and again, question mark, Finlay, Christy, Bryn Hall, is there, is there a debate to be had here, gentlemen? Oh, I think it's what Steve said before. I mean, like the reality is, is, I think going forward, if you're going to have, um, you know, Aaron Smith, uh, TJ Perinara and Fakatava, then um, Finlay Christie's future in a black jersey is pretty short by the looks of it. So why would you go past either a Mitch Drummond or a Bryn Hall? Simon, wait, 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 wait. Simon or Nocturnal raised the point. Doesn't matter these days, does it? He takes the uh, sevens route to get to play sevens. for Scotland. <laughs> that's that's always uh, one thing I would say is the form uh, online. Uh, sorry, the 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 run on form, current form of Sean Vainui. So it'd be really interesting to see if he can mm. convert some of those those into. Uh, the Mary All Blacks, and again, you know, he's he's one of those guys who knows exactly when to get involved in the action, and yeah. he's he's always very good at attacking space, and he's he's been doing that very consistently. So if he again, so, you know, s same boat as guys like Jonah Nareki, you know, that if if you okay. look at picking all the boxes, they're doing that, and what more do they have to do? To, to to get selected. So more conundrums and more questions. And hopefully Sean Vainui can make a minority case for selection as well. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be con a little bit controversial, I suppose. And the fact is that I, the Maori All Blacks just don't excite me. And the reason is is because the All Blacks don't let the All Blacks coaches effectively don't let um the Maori's All Blacks that in the All Black squad play for the Maori All Blacks, even if they're not required in the, you know, in the match day 23 or and extras. And it's like, what, why, why not? I mean, you, I mean, the best Maori All Blacks squad and the best Maori All Blacks game was one that they played against Australia and Sydney. And you had the likes of a Troy Flavel, Ron Cribb, Carlos Spencer. And that was, and that really talking about excitement, you know, and excitement players, that was a Maori All Black squad, and well, it's just like if if they go do that, Maori All Blacks, you know, get get eyeballs in front of them, which they did in that game. I, I was about to say a game that would excite me is the best Maori players being available for the New Zealand Maoris playing the All Blacks. That would excite me absolutely no end because um, I think I think the New Zealand Maoris would bring a heck of a lot of passion. To that game, and there'd, and there'd be a point to prove. And then you, but you, you look, you look through that squad, especially in the locks. Man, there's some quality locks there. Both Putty Putty Parkinson and the and likes of Larry Walker. Selby, Selby oh, man, yeah. 
yeah, Walker Leawere, Josh Dixon, man, those guys could probably all play interna- international rugby. I mean, I say not not for your top end ones, but man, these are the sort of guys that would 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 basically, you know, in my, in my opinion, push hard into some of the no, northern, Steve- northern hemisphere northern hemisphere sides. And you know, you mentioned before of um, <clears throat> of Sean Wainui. Sean Wainui kind of reminds me of Richard Kahui, the way he plays. He does most things right. Can 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 play that centre winger position equally well, and is one skill that he's got is very very good under the high ball. You put high kicks, high high kicks up in the air, and I, I heard this stat from a, I heard the stat via Paul who was um, speaking to a guy who just happened to be a, a class coach. Only twelve percent of high kicks are successful, um, but Sean Wainui on most occasions. Will, will contest high kicks very, very well. Oh, look, yeah, uh, just, just, just on that, I, I, I can't. I mean, it's never. You're not going to get a Mary All Blacks against an All Blacks type game, really. I, I don't think that'll ever happen. But the reality is, is that you, there's no reason why you couldn't have a top level Mary All Black squad playing against an international. Yeah. You know, and like when when they even when they play Fiji's, you know, when they've Quite often, the Maori All Blacks have been pushed out against Fiji, against Samoa, and against Tonga. It's just like, you know, putting out the best of the best out there. If they're not playing for the All Blacks, why not? Well, the All Blacks are playing this weekend, and the, and the uh, Maori All Blacks are playing Samoa. So, therefore, this weekend, they could, for example, have players like Dave McKenzie uh, out of that out of that um, uh, All Black squad available. You know, yeah, Paul, crazily enough, if you went out to your stakeholders who are the people who support the game, they would love that game. If if you actually went out to all the rugby supporters in New Zealand, how would you feel about a New Zealand Māori game versus the All Blacks? They would absolutely love it. But once again, who's the handbrake here? Probably the New Zealand Rugby Union themselves and I probably the All Black coaching. Why? Because I, I think there's probably a fear that they might get embarrassed. I, I, but the other thing, Steve, I, I think um, to be fair and maybe a little bit controversial um, is the fact is that there's probably more excitement in Marydom about seeing a Maori All Blacks against the All Blacks than there is across the rest of the, of the country. Oh, I'll be I, honest. I, I totally disagree with you, brother. If you if if if, if you put that suggestion, if you put the that suggestion out there, there would there was that's that's a game that would excite people because you know what. The New Zealand Māori Māori team will will actually bring you know you you think back to the seventies where the New Zealand ironically the All Blacks played the New Zealand Juniors back in I think it was nineteen seventy three and got beaten by the New Zealand Juniors quite comprehensively and they actually they actually did an internal tour mm-hmm. around around New Zealand and they got big crowds watching those those games to be honest that game would suit me would excite me a hell of a lot more. And, and like I say, with the greatest respect to, to Tonga and Tonga and Fiji, um, a hell of a lot more than uh, these upcoming games. Mario Blacks be, be a stronger side, yes. So, but um, the I mean, we're running out of time. I've got, I've got one question for you, boys. And now, we uh, when the Mario Black squad was na- announced, we, ba- we basically said, okay, these players are not going to be in the All Blacks because the All Blacks have said that they uh, here's the players you can have. So. It looks like Quintapire was a late call-up to the All Black squad, as he was included in the Mary All Blacks. Now, the All Black squad was always going to be 36 players, um, I think. Um, so, um, uh, who do you think was dropped 
to allow Quinta Pyre in as he's come in to basically well, cover for Antonin Brown's injury, hasn't he? Firstly, before we, we, we cover that off, okay. um, first, it's like we told you on Sunday, Steve and I both told you on Sunday, is that being named in the Maori All Blacks means nothing because if the All Blacks want you, you go, they go, yoink, and oh, you're oh, absolutely, but, but I think you've been you've been named in that one because the Maori, because, because the All Blacks said, yeah, you, you can have these players because we don't need them. Well, but you've said it. Leonard Brown's out. Um, um, Good Hughes out. Um, I mean, then, yeah, there's there's a bunch they, of midfielders they, out. But they, they knew Good Hughes was going to be out, right? Um, already, Leonard Brown is still named in the squad, and we um, I think it's his injury that's that's caused. Uh, or, or who has who has Quintapaya? Yeah, basically replaced. Do you think in that um, in that squad? Yeah, look, no question. I think uh, Anton Brown is 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 bracketed. He's he's to be assessed. Yeah, but what so Paul's that's... saying is, but what Paul's saying is, it was thirty six going to be named. Thirty six have been named. So if Tapia wasn't there, who would have been there? Because Leonard Brown's name is still there in the thirty six. Yep. So it's like who's who's missing? Is it Lau Mapi? Oh, you think Lau Mapi was originally down? No, no, he's Ooh. not originally down. He's not originally down. But it's just like he's. It was. Well, I mean, like, then you're going to have a Josh Good, you would have, uh, Josh, yeah, Josh, Jack, Jack, God, Josh, I'm doing a Paul. <laughs> but, yeah, Jack, Jack Good, you would have been down there. It would have, but as I said, I mean, I don't know. And then they're sort of looking, so maybe they left that blank, blank space, <laughs> getting getting swift on it, they had a blank space there, and um, they're basically waiting to see who was going to fit into it. There was nobody necessarily that was named there. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if someone's right here that a wing has been dropped and it's been Lester Fainuku who's been dropped, and they and they brought uh, Quinter Pyre because he can play twelve. Well, Nocturnal agrees with you. No, 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 no I'm, I'm I'm taking his idea. I'm oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Nocturnal's idea that wing has been dropped. I I I I, I wouldn't be surprised that if it's um that basically yeah, that that, that Nuku was in, mm-hmm. and he's been dropped because they need twelve cover, and but that's he why hasn't he's played. In. He hasn't played wing for how long? <laughs> Oh yeah, but they've got enough wingers in the back. In the back, in the yep. back. I think they would have had six wingers, six six back, three players instead. And I reckon that uh, with um, Rico and Braden Anor both being very much thirteens, that the twelves are um, Habili and Antonio Brown, and that Quinter Pye has been brought in as a twelve. At less while, than while the, while the elbows, not twelve. While the elbows recovering. Yep. Hmm. But. Yeah, look, that's to me. It's very intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking again. Leicester is is the, you know, line through the middle. So, but but again, again, maybe after the first couple of games, we might see Leicester coming back into the foray, eh? all be through an injury. So, let's let let's just wait and see how this whole thing plays out. And um, I'm I'm actually expecting the All Blacks to come and really fire in these first couple of games and really. Get some excitement and imagination going, rather than playing, you know, safety first, boring rugby. So, I'm, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm all very, very hopeful for Leicester Fine Guduku. Cool guys. Um, well, that uh, takes us up to the hour mark. Um, unless there's uh, some, something burning that you want to get off your chest, boys. Oh, um, yep. Go for I was going to get some club results. Uh, results. Yep. Oh, sorry. Yep. I do. Just on my Twitter handle, which is at Stephen73 underscore H, 
I put the question out there. How excited as a New Zealand rugby supporter would you be if the All Blacks played the New Zealand Maori over two tests instead of the upcoming tests between Tonga and Fiji? For me, if the New Zealand Maori can have their best players available, I personally would be all over it. Just want your thoughts. Let us know on uh, my uh, Twitter handle. That'll be uh, interesting uh, to get some feedback. No, you're not allowed on this one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and just finally, um, a big congratulations to uh, Manurewa for, look, Cornflake has already responded. Good on you, mate. Um, good on uh, Manurewa for taking up the Coleman Cup, beating uh, Ponsonby by 14 points to 10 after they led by 14 points to nil. At a half time, and that's revenge for last year. Remembering uh, Ponsonby taking out that uh, victory last year in extra, extra time, and it was uh, of course the Manurewa that came through. So congratulations to uh, Manurewa in their centenary, centenary year. Let's hope their males counterparts can go all the way as well. Yeah, speaking of club rugby, one quick shout out. Uh, well, special mention really to the Grammar Tech Under Twenty One Colts. Um, look, I, I always keep an eye out on the 21s competition because in, in great hope that I could poach some of these good players to come and play for Monte Carlo. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but uh, these boys, GTEC under-21s, wow. They played the Ponsonby under-21s this weekend and 47, 47 points to five. That's right, 47 points to five. Absolutely obliterated them. Love the way they played the rugby. Beautiful structure. Lots of X factor. Lots of you know smart rugby IQ. And I think that to me, complete performance. And particularly at the Colts level, this is a team to watch out for. There's a few players there who will be making a name for themselves in the Premier Grade in the coming years. And hopefully, they will then progress to the Auckland hoops and not Canterbury or any other province in Auckland. Play their rugby and then hopefully play for the Blues. And we'll talk about them as All Blacks. So, Grammar Tech under 20 runs. If you guys are watching your coaching staff, well done. Fantastic. You, you, you have my respect. Austin, your turn. Oh, what? No, I was just actually I was going to say, well, who's the player to look out there? There must be a few names there we should be uh, keeping an eye out for there, uh, Boa. Yeah, there's a few names. I will. I'll. I'll, 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 I'll take a note. So I'll, I'll, I'll float it on the, uh, uh, the chat, and then maybe Paul can put it on the on his Twitter handle. Sounds planned, cool. then. Hey, isn't, isn't that um, isn't that once once every four years team playing this weekend? So two games this weekend. We've got the uh, Lions taking on Japan up in Edinburgh, uh, and also the Maori All Blacks taking on Samoa uh, down in Wellington. So um, a couple of um, the uh, uh, a couple of those ones there. Um, someone here says, sorry, Paul, is this going to be a patron video about the players changing nations? Yes, that's already available on nzsportradio.com. Uh, it's already out there. So, Steve, so Simon, you can go and watch that one uh, or you can listen to the podcast. It's patron only um, for your only post. Uh, so, yeah, so two games this weekend. Um, the uh, Sky haven't yet announced that they've that they're showing the Lions game, but they have a TBA live um, cast at two o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning at the appropriate time. So I've got a funny feeling on the rugby channel. So I've got a funny feeling that we'll be on Sky um, for that um, one. Um, I have to say, Paul and gentlemen, very excited about the Lions. I've been following some of their skill sessions uh, on TikTok. 
and very impressed. Really, very, very inventive, very innovative. Uh, so actually, can't wait to see what these uh, lions have in store. And I have to say, I think we're in for a very special series and some really deft, good, high-quality skills from the lions. We, we need the lions to win. <laughs> 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 and that's purely from social media comments that uh, that, that Arsenal's oh, had enough of seeing. Um, the a couple of other things coming up. Uh, I've applied for my media pass for the uh, Samoa versus Tonga game at Mount Smart Stadium. So hopefully, I get uh, uh, accreditation for that game. Um, and also, um, Stephen and myself will be up in Northland for their club finals day, uh, um, doing some, well, doing commentary, but also trying to spice up their. Um, uh, their live stream to be a bit more than just the uh, the game. So uh, look out for um, us uh, videoing things like the coin toss and include and uh, interviewing the uh, captains and the and the, uh, um, and the referee about that. And also hopefully getting um, the Northland head coach on at half time to uh, run his eye over what he's seen on the pitch as well. So looking forward to doing all of that. Um, and um, the uh, uh, so Simon, I'm I'm I, well. Simon says, lucky, lucky you're going to get to see the World Cup qualifier. Well, maybe. I've applied. I haven't been, haven't been granted. So hopefully uh, I'll, I'll actually get it. At least, I've, at least this time I've actually, I've, I've actually been sent an application, which is the first time I've been sent an application for an international game. So um, I'm obviously moving in the right direction. Um, so thank you, everybody. Boa, Stephen, and Arsene for joining me on the Driving Mordo. Um, we'll be back again a pleasure. Next, uh, next week. Um, also, uh, post-match reaction to the Maori All Blacks versus Samoa um, this Saturday. Uh, and uh, do, uh, yeah, join us for all that kind of stuff. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 